Hello and welcome to Talking Euretina, the official podcast of the European Society of Retinal Specialists, Euretina. I'm Jonathan McRae. Every fortnight we bring you the latest news from the Society, expert discussions and interviews with leading experts from the world of retina and beyond. In the last episode, you may remember we heard from Professors Katrine Cruzo-Garchet and Shoba Shiva-Prasad, two of our keynotes at the ever closer Euretina Congress in Hamburg. We'll continue in that vein this week as we'll hear from Dr. Enrico Borelli, who will deliver the ophthalmological lecture. He'll be interviewed by Professor Frank Holtz. First, though, giving this year's Chrysic Award lecture, Retinal Mobility and Plasticity in Retinal Surgery, is Professor Hiroko Terasaki, professor at Nagoya University Institutes of Innovation for Future Society. She's had an extraordinary career, the first female chairperson at Nagoya University School of Medicine since it was established more than 100 years ago. She is the immediate past president of the Japanese Ophthalmological Society, the first female president in more than 120 years of its history, and she's received many awards and accolades for her work in vitreoretinal surgery, ERG and imaging. She's published more than 300 English peer-reviewed articles in the area of VR. Professor Terasaki, we're delighted to have you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Are you looking forward to the Retina Congress? Yes. I'm very much uh, interested in, and uh, also I really appreciate uh, this honor for being able to give a lecture. Well, we're thrilled to have you too. It gives me great pleasure to welcome also Professor Ramin Taglioni back to the podcast. He is Euretina President-Elect, of course, and Professor of Ophthalmology at University de Paris in France and Head of Department at La Robosière, Saint-Louis and Adolphe de Rothschild Foundation Hospitals. Ramin, it's great to see you again. I can't believe I'm saying this, but summer is nearly at a close already. I hope you've been getting some well-earned time off ahead of the Congress. Thank you, Jonathan. It was a hot summer here in France and in many countries in Europe. I don't know how it was in Japan, but very hot and dry. So we'll see what will be the result. Uh, but um, after that, we will have your retina that will put us on the right track to work hard. And we have really the pleasure this year of having Hiroko uh, Terazaki, professor at Nagoya University, as you explained, uh, that I know for years now. She's a very good friend. And also she's known by everyone because uh, Hiroko, you are one of the most famous surgeons in the world. Um, you know a lot about retinal attachment, vitrectomy, and many other topics. You have published so many papers. So it's a real pleasure. Hiroko, let, let's begin with the discussion because you will have a lecture and it will be a wonderful lecture. So let, let's try to tease it a little bit. What's the subject of your lecture at, at your retina, this crazy award lecture? Yeah, the title of lecture is Retinal Mobility and Plasticity in Retinal Surgery. In that, I will present the function and morphology after surgery for retinal detachment and also the macular hole. Excellent, excellent. So, um, that that goes to to my second question, which is, what's the problem today with retinal detachment? Have we solved everything, or we still have problems, and what what they are? Yeah, well, anatomical success rate has improved recently. So uh, compared to the early days of vitreoretinal, but uh, I feel that we have more myopic patients with retinal detachment. Do you think so? They have less cone cells and less neural cells, and sometimes they have glaucoma. So there are a lot of problems uh, in these cases. So we need to think about more about the function. 
You're you're absolutely right. So the problem of the function is really the main concern of the patient because they don't mind really how the anatomy is. What they want is to see and being able to see, to read, to to drive, to do whatever they have to do. Uh, So do we know, know today enough about the recovery after the surgery? Why some patients have good vision and others don't? I'm not talking about the macula attached or detached. Of course, we are talking more about when the macula is detached. Why some patients see better than others? Yeah, it it is uh, difficult to make it short, <laughs> but uh, uh, I will show you in the lecture. To evaluate macular function, I will present the result of focal macular ERG and uh, console counting by adaptive optics, both which are commercially available now. So you can you can do that. So I will show you in the lecture. Yeah, you have published um, many papers on investigation, functional investigation, atomic investigation uh, in your um, dozens of publications. And now how many of them will you present in your lecture? Will you cover all of them or some of them? Which one? You you alluded to some of them already. What will you talk about? Uh, we studied the retinal detachment, which a lot published a lot. Uh, but in this uh, lecture, because of the time limitation, I will focus on the function and uh, micromorphology. And uh, we did a lot of uh, uh, molecular biology study, but uh, today the only are clinical things. Thank you very much. I, I had a chance to see the draft of your presentation, so it's a fascinating lecture. I am sure it will be wonderful because you introduce many... Um, concept that many of us are may not be familiar enough to, uh, including the, uh, the remodeling of the retina and the link between function and the anatomy. So it will help us better understand what's happening in the retinal attachment. So do you think that by understanding better all these, we can do better today, do better surgery or better information of the patient? And also my second question, do you think all this can help to improve the result of the surgery in the future? Yeah, I think the retinal detachment uh, present in, uh, in the various retinal diseases such as uh, AMD or uveitis uh, or macular edema and also the macular hole. Every macular disease uh, has a retinal detachment. So uh, the, this uh, fundamental basis of the result uh, it's very useful for another retinal disease uh, with a complicated uh, condition. So I will talk about the basis of the increased uh, function. I like very much the way you present it. It shows that retinal attachment is some kind of experimental model to understand other retinal attachments, small retinal attachment that we have in many diseases um, in a more dramatic way. So that, that's very interesting. Again, it makes uh, your lecture even more interesting for those who may not do the surgery, but with your lecture, they will better understand what happens to the retina when the photoreceptor lost the contact with uh, the pigment epithelium. So it will also help those who are doing medical retina to better understand the result. And that's that's very interesting, very, very, very good for your lecture. Um, so th- this is a crazy award lecture. So I have uh, two last questions for you, Hiroko. First, uh, what does this Krasik Award lecture mean for you? Yeah, it is a very honor because uh, the award has her name. Professor Krasik 
has been important role uh, for the understanding of the regional detachment. So it is very fortunate that I can present on this uh, regional detachment issue uh, in my lecture to learn more about. Thank you, Iroko. I'm sure she's very happy that you are the recipient of this award as you have contributed also so much to the understanding of retinal attachment. So my last question, so the lecture will be at the Euretina meeting in Hamburg this year. So what is Euretina for you? Yeah, Euretina of course provides not only the new information, uh, but also it has good atmosphere. So once anyone attends the meeting, uh, he or she will feel uh, to wanna come back again, such a, meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Hiroko. You are wonderful explaining this. This shows how a good lecturer you are also. You are excellent speaker. So not only you have wonderful ideas, but also you have a wonderful, you are a wonderful speaker. And I can't wait uh, listening to your lecture at our Euretina meeting. Jonathan, it's up to you. Well, Ramin and Hiroko, thank you so much for teasing ahead the Chrysic Award Lecture. It's on Saturday, 3rd of September at 12.30 in Hall 1. Thanks again for joining us. Now, at 11 o'clock on Friday, September the 2nd, Dr. Enrico Borelli will deliver the ophthalmological lecture at the Euretina Congress in Hamburg. Dr. Borelli works as a retina specialist at San Raffaele Hospital. He graduated from there in 2013, then went on to do a residency in ophthalmology at Gabriele D'Annunzio University and later a fellowship at the Dohany Eye Institute at the David Geffen School of Medicine in UCLA. His research interests include image analysis and translational research using retinal imaging to better understand disorders like age-related macular degeneration, pachychoroid disease, and diabetic retinopathy. Dr. Borelli, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for introducing me and thanks for introducing my lecture. I'm very excited for being able to give the ophthalmological lecture at this upcoming Euretina meeting. And to preview that lecture, uh, we're joined by Professor Frank Holtz, who is, of course, Chairman and Professor of the Department of Ophthalmology at University of Bonn and Euretina Past President. Frank, your reputation precedes you. It's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much, Jonathan, and welcome, Enrico, and congratulations for you giving the most prestigious ophthalmological lecture during the forthcoming Euretina meeting in Hamburg, which will be a live meeting. We will see you, Enrico on board in Hamburg. It's not a virtual meeting, so this will be very exciting to meet you there and hear your lecture. And I had the chance to look in some of the items that you will be discussing, and I was really fascinated to see that you looked into inner retinal changes as morphological structural feature changes in association with age-related macular disease, which we always thought is something that happens in the outer retina. Enrico, what specifically did you find in the inner retina? Hi, Professor Olsen. Thanks for asking. And uh, again, thanks for taking the time for this podcast. So uh, yeah, we usually assume that AMD is a disorder affecting only the other retina, but there is a plenty of evidence showing that also the inner retina is impacted in, uh, in these eyes. OCT metrics to quantify the inner retinal loss are commonly used in the diagnosis and follow-up of patients with glaucoma and other ocular disorders that may coexist with AMD. So it is important to understand how AMD impact on the inner neuronal loss. We have observed that both intermediate and new vascular MDIs 
are characterized by significant inner retinal thinning, which is associated with the damage of the outer retina. The more photoreceptors are impaired, the more is the inner neuronal loss. These findings would appear to corroborate the post-receptoral hypothesis as explanation for the observed inner retinal damage in MD patients. So this is really a very exciting finding. And I was wondering, so you quantified thickness and you noticed the thinning of inner retinal layers, as you stated. What's the correlate of, of the thinning? What, what happens to these cellular elements? So it looks like we have a thinning of the inner retina in both intermediate and new vascular MD eyes. And the most important thing is that there is an association between the outer retinal damage and the inner retinal thinning. The more is the damage to photoreceptors, the more is the inner retinal thinning. So probably there is uh, some association between these two uh, neuroretinal structures, which is important to taking in, uh, into account. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you could briefly speculate how does the outer retina talk to the inner retina? So how does damage in the outer retina translate into cells in the inner retina? Any ideas? Uh, yeah, we have a, a number of ideas, probably a damage to photoreceptors may reduce the quantity of signals to the inner retina, and this may finally lead to the neuronal loss. Fascinating. Uh, to another point, you also looked at structural features associated with the health of photoreceptors, specifically the ellipsoid zone reflectivity. At what stages do you see changes in EZ reflectivity? What disease states of AMD? So we, we look at the uh, ellipsoid zone reflectivity in patients with intermediate MD. Uh, we know that uh, the reflectivity is something important to, for photoreceptors as the higher is the reflectivity, the better are photoreceptors. So the lower is the reflectivity, the more is the damage to photoreceptors. We investigated the reflectivity in uh, patients with intermediate MD, and we demonstrated that the reflectivity of the lepsoid zone is significantly lower uh, in these patients as compared to healthy patients. I'm sure you will teach us more during your ophthalmological lecture, but just a glimpse, what is the correlate of this hyperreflectivity band of what we call ellipsoid zone? What, what's the structural correlate? Uh, we think, we believe that uh, the reflectivity is due to the presence of mitochondria in, uh, within photoreceptors. So when we have a reduction in the, in the function of photoreceptors, or we have a damage, a structural damage, to photoreceptors, we have also a reduction in the number of mitochondria, so a lower reflectivity in this lab. And would you expect some structure function correlation in terms of reduced EZ reflectivity? Would this also translate into impaired rotor cone function? What would you expect? Yeah, thanks for asking. That's an important point. We also investigated the association between the ellipsoid zone reflectivity and the macular function. And we were able to demonstrate that there is an association between the reflectivity and the function. So yeah, there is an association between the structure uh, in terms of uh, ellipsoid zone reflectivity and the macular function in patients with intermediate MD. 
which makes your findings even more significant because it impacts patients and their daily life and their visual performance. Uh, maybe to your point of inner retinal changes, you also observed these in more advanced stages, also in exudative AMD. What would you like to tell us on this? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, we were also able to investigate patients with the neovascular AMD. In particular, we investigated the longitudinal changes in the inner retina in patients developing neovascular AMD. And we were able to demonstrate that in those patients developing neovascular AMD, there is a longitudinal uh, inner retinal thinning uh, after the uh, transformation from intermediate to neovascular MD. So after the extrudation, there is an inner retinal thinning, which is also in these patients associated with an outer retinal damage. Enrico, I also understand that you were using OCT and geography to ask the research question, are there hyperperfusion phenomena associated with earlier AMD stages, and you specifically looked at topographic association with Drusen. What were your findings? Essentially, I think one of the exciting things to developments in recent years, it's because of OCT and geography, we are now able to visualize the choriocapillaries in the living eye. It's something we can never do before, because based on this analysis, it's become pretty obvious you know, the importance of the choriocapillaries to the MD pathogenesis. Importantly, we have observed the reduced choriocapillaries perfusion is mainly confined to the regions beneath and surrounding Drusen. So using OCTA, we provided imaging evidence to support this topological observation that Drusen co-localized to region of choriocapillaries impairment. So here comes the chicken and egg questions. Is there a truth buildup because of a hyperperfusion or is the hyperperfusion the consequence of the waste material building between Brooks membrane and the retinal pigment epithelium? That's an important point. That's an important question. Probably we are not able to answer this question, but there are studies showing that in those regions with the lower uh, perfusion of the choriocapillaries, uh, over time there is the development of Drusen. So probably an hypoperfusion of the choriocapillaries might be uh, at the very beginning of uh, the pathogenesis of uh, the development of Drusen. Excellent. Well, Enrico, thank you so much for taking us at least to some items and topics of your ophthalmological lecture. Uh, I know that you will be also addressing using advanced imaging technologies and modalities for central serous chororetinopathy, myopic CNV and diabetic macular edema. And again, we look very much forward to your lecture on September 2nd during the Uretina Congress in Hamburg. See you there. Well, thank you so much, Professor Holtz and Dr. Borelli for setting the scene for the ophthalmological lecture on innovations in imaging. As Professor Holt says, it's on in Hall 4 at 11 a.m. on Friday, the 2nd of September at the Uretina Congress in Hamburg. Well, that's it for this episode. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you have a moment. It really increases the reach of the show on the various podcast platforms. So that would be much appreciated. We'll be back the other side of the Congress. So please make sure you're there however you can make it and enjoy every minute. All details are on uretina.org. I'm Jonathan McRae. Until next time on Talking Uretina. <laughs>